Welcome to Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church's podcast. We'd love to worship with you today. I have so appreciated this sermon series is because I believe that it is making us better students of scripture. I would say that's the hope of any sermon that is preached here at our church is that it would make us better students of God's word. But the reason why I think it's important for us to be in a sermon series like this is because it helps us better understand what the Bible does say and doesn't say. And because we live in a culture where it is very easy to get some of these different sort of ideas confusing. And we're not the first people to deal with this. I mean, when you look in the New Testament, Paul was often addressing people who had maybe some different thoughts and some different teachings uh, about God and trying to correct them. You look at the Old Testament, you see the way in which prophets were often trying to get people back to a better, clearer understanding of what God was actually teaching. And what ends up happening when we go through this is Sometimes people try to twist God's word and they make it say something that it doesn't really say or they focus on one part of God's word with forgetting the rest of it. And so you end up with some of these statements that we've been studying together in this series. Like, well, God helps those who help themselves. Or, you know, God just wants you to to be happy. Or God never gives you more than you can handle And Pastor Andrew did such a a masterful job last week of tackling something that is very difficult, right? Judge not, lest ye be judged. Well, you can't really judge me. You know, only God can judge me. These sort of statements. Now, what's interesting is that these sort of phrases are actually in the Bible, right? Judge not, lest ye be judged. And what we're going to be studying together today, this idea that God is love. These are biblical statements. But what we do is we take these statements and we we actually make them say something else. Do you realize this word actually has now been ruined for me? (laughs) Every time I say actually, all I think of is Pastor Andrew, right? Well, actually, right? Um. We, we take God's word and we make it say something different. The thing that we have to remember is we always use scripture to interpret scripture. So when there are phrases like, well, judge not lest ye be judged, or God is love, they're, they're biblical statements. But what we do is we latch on to the part that we really like. But we have to, we have to judge scripture. We interpret scripture with other scripture because scripture is not going to contradict itself. And so we're going to use that to help us better understand these sort of phrases. And I started to think about it this past week. I wondered how much of this phrase, judge not lest ye be judged, when you follow it out to its logical conclusion, might be something like, well, you really can't judge me because God is love, right? You can't really, you know, define my truth and what I want to do with my life. And, and don't judge me because in the end only God can judge me. And God's not really going to judge me because God is love. And, and you end up with all of these kind of phrases. Phrases that are like, well, in the end all roads lead to God, right? 
because God is love. It doesn't really matter what you believe so long as you're sincere because God is love. Or we all worship the same God. Or, or we're all God's children. You know, we, the, the religion of our day might be summed up best by some of the, the yard signs and the bumper sticker theology that we see. I mean, how many of us now, the new creed that we'll see in people's yards is what? Love is love. And it lists all kinds of things, and then it'll say usually at the end, and kindness is everything. We've all seen the bumper stickers, right? Coexist, right? It's, hey, can't we all just get along, right? We all worship the same God. All roads lead to God, right? And people love to latch on to this idea because they talk about, well, the terrible atrocities that have been committed in the name of religion, so can't we all just get along? And of course, I would say, yes, I want to get along too. And I think that when atrocities are committed in the name of God, that grieves the heart of God. But that doesn't mean that all religions are the same, that all roads lead to God because God is love. In fact, here's what's very interesting is uh, Legionnaire Ministries just put out their State of Theology report. We actually included a link of it in our newsletter last week. We wanted you to be able to say, hey, if you want to participate in this, we want you to be able to participate in it. Now, it may be a little bit difficult to, to see here, but what, one of the questions, one of the statements that they make, now let, let's go back to that a second. So let's go back to that statement. It says this, God accepts the worship of all religions including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Now, if you notice, the answer there is this. 56%, let's go back to that slide again so you can see it. 56% of evangelical Christians believe that that statement is true. Only 20, or only 32% disagree with that statement. Now, in some ways, this may seem a little nuanced, right? Because, well, Christians, Muslims, and Jews all claim the same God. So, I mean, wouldn't it make sense that God accepts the worship of all of these different religions? But let's go back to what Scripture says. The Bible says this, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, nobody comes to the Father except through me. Look at what Paul says. Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ. So, how do we square what Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, with the, the cultural idea of the day that all roads really just lead to God, right? We're all the same. We're all worshiping the same God, that in the end, it's really all about love because God is love. And it's true. The Bible does say God is love. It's one of his attributes. In fact, the Westminster says about the attributes of God, it says that God is infinite, eternal, unchangeable, wise, powerful, holy, just, good, and truth. It doesn't even mention love there, but this idea of love feels the best. And so we latch on to it, right? That God is love. 
And then we wrap it up in this theology that says it doesn't really matter what you believe so long as you're sincere. In fact, when we lived in Florida, one of our neighbors would say, he said, you know, my wife is Catholic and I'm Muslim, but we all worship the same God, right? And in those moments, you know, you're like, well, you know, what do you, what do you say to something like that? We, we saw that play out even in our intro video. So where do these ideas come from? I want to give you a couple of scriptural bases for where we might get an idea that, well, all roads lead to God, God is love. It maybe starts in Genesis chapter 1. In verse 27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God created us all, right? So we all worship the same God. How about Malachi 2.10? Do we not have one father? Do we not, did God, did not one God create us? Right? It's all the same. Ezekiel 18.4, for everyone belongs to me. The parent as well as the child, both alike belong to me, right? People start to latch on to these ideas. 1 John 4, 7 to 8 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So if you love, well, then you know God, right? So all roads lead to God. So you take passages like that, you mix in, our, our, our culture loves choice, right? Freedom, the ability to do what you want. If you want a simple example of what this might look like, uh, how many of you have been to the grocery store lately, right? Um, but we're not going to talk about prices, okay? Uh, I want you to think about, in 1990, do you know what the average amount of food choices you had in an average grocery store? between seven and 9,000, all right? So seven and 9,000 choices. Today, the average grocery store has 43,000 items that you can choose from. And that's a, that is a small grocery store, if you think about it. Now, think about years ago, when you went to the grocery store and you wanted to buy lettuce, what did you choose? Spinach, iceberg, or romaine? Now, you go, and the, the choices are limitless, right? I mean, you think to yourself, oh my goodness, what kind of salad do I want to make? And you have all of these different choices. Think about the, the cereal aisle, right? It used to be like cornflakes and, and maybe, you know, Rice Krispies. Now, Cheerios has 18 different kinds, right? Honey Nut Medley Crunch, right? So you think about those choices. When you go to get toothpaste, how many different kinds of toothpaste could you name off? Right? Crest, Aquafresh, Colgate, Close Up. And then underneath that, you've got, well, plaque fighting, gingivitis, whitening. Like, you have all of these different choices. And so we mix all of this in. Like, well, you know, we live in a world where I want to make choices. And, and we think, well, you know what? It doesn't really matter what you do. You do you, I'll do me, and in the end, it's, it's really all just going to pan out. And, and I mean, when you think about choices and you think about all the things that we can do, I mean, it really makes sense that in our culture we would then say when it comes to religion, it's all really just the same. 
before we move on, I, I, I want to do this. I want to maybe turn in just a little philosophical kind of turn here before we kind of hit where we're going. Uh, this, this idea of uh, this message of coexist. And um, we all worship the same God. And God is love. All, all roads lead to God. I, I want you to keep in mind that is a mutually exclusive truth claim. Have you ever heard anything like that, right? It's this idea that all roads lead to God. That's, that's a truth claim. And the idea that there is only one road that leads to God is a mutually exclusive truth claim. Both can't be true. If I say 2 plus 2 is 4, and you say 2 plus 2 is 5, only one can be true, even though you so desperately want both to be true. And so we look at this when it comes to our faith, and we say, well, you know, Jews believe in God, and, and Muslims believe in Allah, and his prophet is Muhammad. Christians believe in this triune God. You know, Buddhists don't believe in God, but believe in enlightenment. And then people say, well, they're all just the same, right? They're all leading to God. But remember, all of these religions have mutually exclusive truth claims. They all believe that they're true. I think it is just much more intellectually honest to be able to put them all on the table and just say, look, we don't all believe the same thing. Let's sit down. Let's talk about it. You know, where, where, it, where do we agree? Where do we, we disagree? And so what do we believe when people say all roads lead to God because God is love? Well, here's what we believe. God created everyone but not everyone belongs to him relationally god created everyone but not everyone belongs to him relationally there's a couple of passages that i want to use to draw this out if you want to turn to, to john so in john chapter 8 in verses 31 to 47 there's this discussion and jesus is having this discussion with these pharisees and these pharisees who are saying hey we are children of abraham we are god's children Notice what it says, by the way, in verse 41. It says, we are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. They are saying, we are God's children. We all belong to God. But now, how does Jesus respond? In verse 42, Jesus said to them, if, you were your, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you do not want to carry out your father's desires. Notice, I don't get the sense here that Jesus is saying all roads lead to God. I don't get the sense that he's saying, hey, it's okay, you do you, I'll do me. What Jesus says, we're not all God's children. Jump down to verse 47. Notice what it says. Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. And what is Jesus saying? This is what God has said about me. He says, the reason you do not hear is because you do not belong to God. Jesus is saying, you are not 
a child of the Father. Everyone is not a child of God. There is only one way to become a child of God, what Jesus is saying. You want additional proof? Let's go to Galatians. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 29, it says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. Through what? Through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. And then he says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And he says this, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I want you to see this. What, what we are being told is that it is all about belonging to Christ. It's about being clothed in Jesus Christ. And once we have Jesus Christ, then we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are reminded of our adoption as sons and as daughters. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 8, in verses 15 to 17, it says, Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I want you to see a common theme that is running here throughout the pages of Scripture, that it is all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what proves that we belong and that we are the children of God. You want another passage that lays this out? My, my sense is that this is where a lot of people kind of gather this idea that God is love. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, it says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. But let's drop down to verse 10. Listen to what John says. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone, uh, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. Notice, all of these passages are not saying that God is love and that we are all God's children, that there is a difference between being created by God and belonging to God relationally. When we hear this phrase that God is love, what Scripture points out is that love culminates in the person of Jesus Christ. Only those people who place their faith in Jesus, who repent of their sin, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, and who are seeking to live by the Spirit and to love God and to love others can claim to be the children of God. And that means two things. First is simple. If you want to be known as a child of God, 
it is really all about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it comes down to. That's where we begin. Jesus himself states that salvation belongs to no one else. But then I want us to see a second thing. Any person who kills in the name of God, and it doesn't matter whether it is a Christian killing an abortion doctor or somebody flying a plane into buildings or blowing themselves up, right? All of those kind of things, they are not doing what is right in the eyes of God. They are not God's children. They're not a brother or a sister. People will say, well, these are just examples. You know, these are mostly peaceful religions, right? And, and so you really can't judge it by some of these characters. And people will often, like, they, they want to point out, like, well, Christians, you had your Timothy McVeigh. Remember him? Right? But, but let's be clear about that. If, when people use that sometimes as an example, Timothy McVeigh never claimed to kill people in the name of God. And if he did, then guess what? His God and my God are not the same God. Because we don't act in that way. We are not filled with the devil. We are filled with the Spirit. Just because we're all created by God doesn't mean that we belong to God relationally. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. Who is the narrow gate? The narrow gate is Jesus Christ. Now, before we leave this behind, I, I do think it's important for us to at least address how this idea of God is love, um, and we're all God's children, and all roads lead to God has even infiltrated in, into the evangelical church. Um, some of you are maybe familiar with a, a man by the name of Rob Bell. Uh, and Rob Bell was a, a popular pastor, kind of a, a megachurch pastor, and, and things really started to implode because Rob Bell uh, proclaimed what is known as universal salvation. Uh, this is what he said in one of his books. God will endlessly offer to the unrepentant the choice of faith until all succumb to the wooing of divine love. In the end, he's saying, look, everybody gets into heaven through Jesus because God is love. Now, before you think, well, that's just a, a fringe person, um, when we were living in Florida, uh, one of the times when we were on vacation, had another person from our old denomination come in and fill in for me. And uh, as a way of saying thank you, hey, thanks for preaching for me, we had him over for dinner. And uh, so he and his wife came over for dinner, and as we're eating together, all of a sudden, somehow the topic turned to this topic. He was kind of into this topic, and he says that in the end, everybody, he was a Christian universalist. He started to say, everybody ends up in heaven because of Jesus. And I started to say, well, where are some of these scripture passages where you're drawing that from? And he, he was starting to share with me some passages. And he was getting really agitated about some of this, you know? And I'm like, I really don't want to talk about this right now. I just want to have dinner, you know? And, uh, and so I'm trying to ask some questions based on scripture and kind of share with him my feeling about it. And, and at one point, it was like so uncomfortable. I'm like, I'm 
go use the restroom. So I got up, go use the restroom, uh, get dessert, come back, and think five minutes later as we bring dessert back to the table, okay, it'll have settled down now. Let's move in a different direction. But man, he wanted to keep talking about this. And I was like, I just don't want to talk about this with you because you're not going to agree with me, and I'm not going to agree with you. Let's just understand that. When they finally left, I turned to Nicole. I said, that man is never preaching in our church again. <laughs> like, but I want you to understand, this is, this is some of the thinking that is out there. This idea that in the end, all roads lead to God. Now, I'm going to say something that maybe does shock you. Do you know that actually is a true statement? All roads do lead to God. And I mean this because one day when we die, we will all have to stand before God and answer to what we have done with Jesus and how we are living for him in this world. So it's true. One day we will all stand before God, but what matters, whether or not we are going to spend eternity with God or eternity without God, is all about Jesus Christ. I want us to know this. There is only one road that leads to eternity with God, and that is Jesus Christ. I want us to understand this. Christianity is both incredibly inclusive as well as incredibly exclusive. Jesus holds within himself the narrowness of truth and the width of grace. It's beautiful. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. That is an exclusive statement. That is very narrow. But then, what does he do? He throws the doors wide open. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Paul says, all, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I mean, that just throws the doors wide open. You want to talk about what it means to be inclusive. See, the world wants to grab onto the word inclusive. I think as Christians, we can hold on to that one. Because it's true, Jesus is inclusive as well as exclusive. That's the beauty of the Christian faith. People want to say, well, God is love. And they want to leave it at that. But the Bible also says that God is a just judge. That his wrath, his anger burns against our sin. What does Ephesians say? Ephesians 2, 3, like the rest, we were deserving of God's wrath. We were objects of God's wrath. But what we were saying a couple weeks ago, it's only in understanding how far we have fallen that we really know the incredible love of God. Listen to what the rest of Ephesians says in verses 4 to 9. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive 
in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That is the beauty of the Christian faith. It is not about what we do for God. It is not about what we have accomplished for God, what we have achieved for God. It is about what God has done for us and what he has achieved for us. Christianity is not about us saving ourselves. It is about God saving us. Why? Because God is love. And he cares for us. You know, there, there's probably no better example of this than the story of the prodigal son. What's interesting is, uh, did you know the Buddhist faith actually also has a story of a prodigal son? And both stories are quite similar. Uh, both have a rich and wealthy father. Both have a son who's given an inheritance. Both go off and spend it in wild living. Both come to their senses and say that they need to return back. But listen to what the Buddhist scriptures say. The elder, the father, gave him a new name and called him a son. But the poor son, although he rejoiced at this happening, still thought of himself as a humble hireling. For this reason, for 20 years, he continued to be employed in scavenging. After this period, there grew mutual confidence between the father and the son. He went in and out at ease, though his abode was still in a, a small hut. There is no story of quick reconciliation here. In fact, this son was come to by the father, but the father disguised himself and told the son that he needed to work hard and to earn his way back in order to be promoted. And for 20 years, he works for the father to prove that he has the necessary qualities to be allowed back into the house. And it's only after the father dies that the son is finally promoted. But do you notice what this story is all about? It's actually about doing it's actually about being excluded until you do enough to earn your way back to the father. But in the Christian story of the prodigal, what is it? The father longs for the son, is waiting for the son to return. And when the son finally comes to his senses, he begins to work his way home. And when the father sees the son from a distance, he goes running to the son. And the son says, Dad, I'm willing to be a hired hand. I'm willing to be one of those hirelings. And the father's like, don't be ridiculous. You're my son who is lost, is now found. Let's throw a party. Welcome home. And beloved people, that is the truth of the Christian faith. It is about what has been done, what has been accomplished. It's that the father includes us. But what we have to do is realize that we are wayward. Realize that we have made mistakes. Realize that we need to come home. And this is what God 
has done for us. God pursues us. He forgives us. He restores us. Why? Because God is love. And because of his incredible love for us in the person of Jesus Christ, what we need to do is to return to our senses and to come home. The message of Christianity is incredibly inclusive when you think about the way in which Jesus invites all of us to come to him, to repent of our sins, to receive Jesus Christ in faith because of the incredible love and grace of God, and then to live differently as he would have us live. And maybe, just maybe that's what some of you need to hear today. Maybe you feel like you have been running, like you have made mistakes, like you have to earn your way back to God. But what God says to us is that you don't have to earn your way back to me. It has already been done. It has already been accomplished in the person of Jesus Christ. When we say, you know what, I desire to return, the Father says, I'm, I'm waiting for you with open arms. Indeed, I've been longing for you. I've been calling to you. And I can think of no better way to remind ourselves of that than in the Lord's Supper. See, because we come to the Lord's Supper today and we recognize that it's not about what we could do. It's not about earning our way. It's it is a picture of God's incredible love for us in Jesus Christ. God bridges the gap that exists between us and him. This is a free gift. Notice what Jesus said. I am the living bread that came down from heaven if anyone. There's that inclusive idea of Jesus. If anyone eats of this bread, he lives forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. And Jesus says, but whoever, again, throws the doors wide open, drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Notice Jesus says, whoever comes to me, whoever receives me, whoever eats of this bread, drinks of this cup, the living water that I desire to give you, you are welcome in the kingdom of God. And that's why I think it's beautiful, I, I really do, that on a day like today, you know, when, you know, you think about what we are doing here, and, and we celebrate Worldwide Communion Sunday together, and, and what this means is that there are people all around the world who are celebrating the Lord's Supper with us, people of different races and ethnicities and tribes and political understandings and color of skin, like, there are different people that are gathering around this table. But if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, we are one family. We have different understandings of what happens here, by the way. Right? Some, some believe that this becomes the actual body and blood of Christ. 
Some believe all this is just a mere remembrance. It's nothing. Some believe that, well, no, God is present with us through his Holy Spirit, and he's reminding us of his love in Christ Jesus. We may believe different things about what happened here. We we have different views uh, about baptism. But what we hold together is Christ. And this is what we celebrate. Indeed, God is love. But he's shown us the greatest expression of his love in Jesus Christ. If if you want to be a part of that phrase, we're all God's children. Well, it's really about being a child of God in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we, we thank you. We know that we live in a world where there is so much confusion. And Lord, it feels good, it feels nice to be able to say, well, we all belong to God, and we're all God's children, and there's many roads that lead to God. And for us to understand that you, in you, hold together this, this idea that there is but one way to God, and that is through me, but then you open that door wide by saying, all who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, Lord, this morning, we call upon your name. For those who have never called upon your name, may this be the moment, may this be the hour where they're saying, Lord Jesus, like that prodigal, I have run, and I have made mistakes, and I have sinned against you. And Lord, I I desire to return. Would you forgive me And Lord, that they may hear today, you're saying to them, you are my child. I love you, and I have shown you how great my love is for you in my son, Jesus, who gave his life for you, who showed you how to live, who lived a life that you couldn't live, who gave his life on your behalf, who rose again to defeat death, who has promised you eternity with me and a newness body. Lord, we thank you that you even include us in that. Lord, our our hope and prayer is that we would be a people who from this day forward live differently. And Lord, who indeed are, are people who love you, who love others, who, Lord, desire to follow the example of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.